welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. friends. Welcome to Grace Online, Church at Home. Welcome to the season of Advent. As you can see, things look a little different as we're moving into this season and and will as we continue to um, expand our uh, experience online with Church at Home. We are in the season of Advent. It is the four weeks leading up to Christmas where we prepare for the birth of the Christ child among us. It's a season of waiting of anticipating, of in one sense imagining that like the ancient people of Israel listening to the prophet's promise of a redeemer continue to wait for that promise to be fulfilled. It's it's almost as if we imagine ourselves living before the Messiah had come. We put ourselves back in the darkness and we wait for the light to shine. And in, in another sense this is not a difficult leap for us to make. We see darkness all around us. We do eagerly wait for the Messiah to return, trusting in his words that no one knows the day or the hour, but that one day Jesus will come back and set everything to rights. Just like the ancient Israelites, our waiting has gone on for centuries. And yet, we hope. Yet, we pursue peace, we live in love, and we experience great joy. Those are the four candles that we will be lighting through this season of Advent. Hope, peace, love, and joy. And this is the first Sunday, the Sunday of hope. Our hope begins in the dark because Advent begins in the dark. We are surrounded by darkness figuratively and physically. The days continue to get shorter and colder. It's often dark when we leave for work in the morning and dark when we come home. And and add to that the tragedy that we face that never seems to let up. There's sickness and brokenness. There's divorce and disease and death and destruction. Like darkness is all around us. And it threatens to snuff out our faith. We read the news reports, we see it in our own families. Darkness surrounds and often envelops us. But Advent invites us not to ignore that darkness, but to see a light that still shines in it. And this preparation is not for the weak of heart. Often our Advent season is reduced to like opening little paper windows with numbers on them to eat the delicious daily chocolates that help us count down the days till Christmas. Sometimes we think of Advent as only the the countdown, the the waiting until that moment when the light shines. That the weeks leading up to it are filled with all sorts of parties and celebrations and there's twinkling lights and there's Hallmark movies. It's joy to the world. And thank goodness for those things. Thank goodness for those moments of brightness in the midst of our darkness. For those of you like us who have already set up the tree at home and brought a little extra joy and light into your homes, good on you. It's okay to set up the tree. I usually wait till after Remembrance Day. Um, But yeah, to have that tree set up and bring a little extra light 
into the darkness. But this Advent, I don't want us to just jump to the brightness of Christmas. I don't want us to, to ignore the, the darkness that's around us. But I want us to see the light in the midst of it. For those who are willing to observe Advent for what it really is, it's an adventure that begins in the dark. It's, it's a month of darkness, of waiting, of promise deferred, of, of holding on in spite of everything that weighs us down. And in the midst of our preparation, you know, peppered with that joy and celebration, we cannot ignore the dark. We cannot turn our back on the brokenness and pain in our own hearts, in our own families, and in the world around us. Because Advent begins in the dark. It's a season for asking some hard questions. A season to open our eyes and see the world for what it really is. Because we can be tempted to isolate ourselves from the pain and strife, but we can only do it for so long. We know that families are torn apart, that homes are struggling just to keep food on the table. There's abuse and addiction. There's all manner of darkness around us. Fleming Rutledge, the Episcopal priest, puts it so starkly. She says, Advent teaches us to delay Christmas in order to experience it truly when it finally comes. Advent is designed, designed to show us that the meaning of Christmas is diminished to the vanishing point if we're not willing to take fearless inventory of the darkness. So Advent begins in the dark. Our hope begins in the dark. Our hope that God still comes to us in the dark, that a light still shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. One of my favorite prophecies to read around the Advent season comes from Isaiah chapter 9. And I'd encourage you to read this passage over and over again through the week as you, as you cling to hope in the dark. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 to 7 reads this way. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has, has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now the prophet Isaiah, speaking in his time to his people, hoping that one day a Messiah would come. The prophet Isaiah speaking to the people in Galilee who had known war and destruction. The, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali is what it opens up with in the first verse. It's, it's full of gloom and anguish. They know darkness. Their enemies have crashed through the gates dozens of times. But the prophet foresees a day when a child would be born. One who would rule not with a sword and an iron fist, but with greatness and peace and justice and righteousness. 
and that the zeal of the Lord would accomplish it. God is zealous to see his kingdom come, to see rightness restored, to see justice and righteousness established firmly in the rule of the Messiah. Now, perhaps Isaiah had placed his hopes or, or pinned them on King Hezekiah, who was the king at the time, who was from the line of David, who was reforming the nation of Judah. After witnessing the destruction of the northern kingdom, his father Ahaz had been a wicked, evil king, but to the people had had a child born to them who was making sweeping reforms in the nation. He was restoring the people in the temple to the worship of Yahweh alone. Hezekiah was a good king, but he was not the Messiah. He wasn't the one the people had hoped for. Yes, he had brought light, but he wasn't the great light. He didn't reign eternally. But as we, looking back on this passage in Isaiah, through the story of Jesus, we see that the prophet was speaking about someone far greater than any king Israel could have hoped for. It was far more reaching than just a good king who was on the throne in Jerusalem. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. There is a savior who has come into the world. It, it's Matthew the first gospel writer who ties the prophet Isaiah to the one that we call Jesus. After his baptism and temptation in the wilderness, we read these words in Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. It says, When Jesus had heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, where he was from, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the hope that we cling to in Advent. That when the lights go out, we're not alone. There is a light that has dawned. There is a child who has been born. We hope in Emmanuel, which was the name of Jesus, which means God with us. Jesus has come to us out of the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. In a time of great darkness, Jesus came to us. The people walking in darkness, those living in the land of deep darkness. I, I like that this is a beautiful metaphor for so many who have yet to see the light walking without a light to guide them, many of them full of fear and anxiety. And the subtle change in language that Matthew does there with, it's not just a land of deep darkness, but it's the land of the shadow of death. I'm not sure what image that brings to you, but it screams of Psalm 23 for me, and likely for those who connected the dots for the first time when they read these passages about the light and life and death of Jesus. He was a good shepherd, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He was a child born to us, those living in the land of deep darkness, those who walk in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned, and we have seen that great light. There, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope, and that's what this morning is all about, hope. And our prayer this morning is that you might realize that that hope is based on a person, that a child was born to us, that the great light is a person, the mighty one, the prince of peace. Our hope is in the one called Jesus. And all of our Advent waiting is about his coming. It's preparing for the birth of this Christ child. Let every heart 
prepare him room. This is our Advent hope. And hope is more than just a, a fitful feeling. It's, it's more than just the power of positive thinking. It, it's, it's the bedrock of our faith. It's the solid thing that we stand on or cling to when darkness threatens to snuff out the light. Because we can live without a lot of things, but hope is not one of them. Our Advent journey invites us into this deep, abiding hope in the middle of the dark. And it's not a, like a Hallmark movie, like schmaltzy greeting card kind of hope. Often when we think about hope, we, we think of just wishful thinking. Like, I hope it's not too cold out this morning. Or I hope I really get what I wanted for Christmas. Or I hope to someday travel to Greece. We have this idea of like a hope. It's like a wish. It's a, oh, wouldn't it be nice? We use the word to talk about ice cream flavors and favorite sneakers, like, oh, I hope they have the pumpkin spice ice cream, or I hope they have the shoes in my size. But we also use it for much weightier things, much heavier things, like, I, I truly hope that my friends find their way through the difficult season that they're in, that, that my friend beats that cancer diagnosis. Today, my prayer is that our hope will be found in something far more grounded than wishful thinking but that it would be in the reality of God with us. That God is indeed with us, that Jesus has come, that we might have life, that we might find our hope in him. This is my prayer. This is my hope for each of you today. But what happens when our hope is deferred? What happens when we place our hope in things that disappoint us? You know, we hope for a relationship to work out and, and then it doesn't. We hope for a job that we dreamed of, but then it gets offered to someone else. We hope that things would get better, but then they don't. Where do we turn? What, what sort of things have you hoped for? Maybe in this week or this month, maybe this year, some things that were really pressing on your heart, but that longing has remained unfulfilled. What, what do you do when that hope seems like it's been stripped away? Can I encourage you, when, when you find yourself feeling like the darkness is creeping in, when you feel like hope is waning, to put your hope in the one who's promised to be faithful. Not in the situation, not in the outcome that you had desired, but in the person who's walking with you through all of that. Can I encourage you to put your hope in the one who's promised to always be true to you? To turn to the one who came to us as a child in a manger. That your hope will be found in Jesus. Because over and over again through the Psalms, we're encouraged to put our hope in the Lord. Psalm 25 is a great psalm of hope. In the third verse, the psalmist writes, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. A couple of verses later, he continues, give, sorry, guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. And the psalm closes with the words, my, may integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Protect me because my hope is in you. Our, our hope is in a person. Our hope is in God. It is not in our situations or the outcomes that we desire. This is the key to hope. It's where we place it. It's where we allow our hearts to lean. It's where we put our trust. And that trust needs to be placed in a person, not in our circumstance. And that person that we prepare for each year at Advent, this deliverer who is coming, this Messiah who has been born to us, is Emmanuel, is Jesus. But we don't always see him. 
We don't always recognize him. We don't always notice his fingerprints. So what do you do when it feels like even the hope that you've placed in him seems to be misplaced or you've been let down? These are real Advent questions. Our Advent begins in the dark. So we ask questions like, if God is so good, why is there so much darkness? Why do some of our prayers go unanswered? Prayers that we know God would want what's best for the people we're praying for. Why, why do we suffer? Why do others suffer? These are the honest questions of Advent. And there are no easy answers. There's only an invitation to walk with the one who will carry us through those questions. There's an, only an invitation to see the light in the midst of the darkness and to go to the light. Come with me for a minute on the road to Emmaus. In Luke 24, verse 13, we pick up the story. Jesus has died. He's been buried. And there's some disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus joins them, but they don't recognize him. This is how the story goes. Luke 24, verse 13 says, Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Notice that phrase, we had hoped. You know, he was this prophet, he was powerful in word and deed, like, the chief priests, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, but we had hoped, we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped he was the one. Little did they know that the one they had hoped in was walking along with them. But their hopes weren't in who he was as a person, but what he was going to accomplish. They had hoped, they had hoped that he was going to overthrow the Roman rulers. They had hoped that he was going to be the one who was going to establish a throne in Jerusalem. And isn't that often the way our hope goes? We hope not so much in who he is, but on what he can do for us or the way that he's working in our lives. So what do we do when it doesn't go the way we had thought it should? God works in ways that are mysterious and we don't always understand. So what do we do when our hopes seem Dashed. I remind myself that I don't get to see the whole story. I don't get to watch it all unfold. Sometimes when I gain some perspective on a particular moment in my life, I can look back and I can see God's fingerprints and I can see the hints of where he showed up and spared me or steered me or worked in a way that I didn't quite understand at the time. But I don't get to see the whole picture. We don't always live with this eternal perspective. We're in the middle of the story that's being written and plot twists are plot twists for a reason. And, and the call for us in the midst of those things is to continue to trust, to continue to place our hope in God, even when the situation doesn't seem to warrant that sort of trust. We don't always know what God's up to in that moment. 
And that's why the journey of Advent is not for the faint of heart because we don't always get to see the answers we had hoped for. There are no quick and easy answers. Advent begins in the dark, in the darkness of our doubt and our questions, in the darkness of our fear and our disappointments. We had hoped, fill in the blank with what you had hoped and not seen realized. Where it seems like, oh, but he's been dead for three days. He, how can he be the Messiah? We had hoped, but it seems like God has not answered. Here's the truth. Our hope begins in that kind of darkness. We don't get to see the whole story, but we trust even in the midst of that, that there is a light that has dawned, that there is a child that has been given to us because our hope isn't what he might do. Our hope is in who he is. It's not in how, like how smooth the sailing is. It's on who's steering the ship. The disciples on the road to Emmaus had hoped that it seems like there had been hope and that hope was either lost or misplaced. They had hoped, they had this picture of what the Messiah was going to do, of how the Messiah was going to work when he came, that he was going to restore the nation of Israel, that he was going to somehow deliver them from the Roman occupation, that he would set up a throne in Jerusalem. And it looked like Jesus hadn't accomplished those things. They had hoped, but they didn't recognize Jesus. They didn't see him for who he was and what his deliverance was gonna look like. Let's go back into the story because it finishes up really in a beautiful way. They're walking with Jesus. They're discouraged by the news of his crucifixion. He's been lying dead now for three days. And they continue to explain the situation to Jesus. It says, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was still alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer all these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he began to explain to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, ah, oh, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up at once and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those who were with them assembled together and they said, it's true, the Lord has risen. He's appeared as he appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They didn't recognize him. How often is that the case for us? Jesus is with us, but we don't recognize him as Emmanuel walking with us in the midst of our darkness. We don't see how God is working. We don't see him in the shadows because we're so concerned about the darkness. We don't realize he's right there with us the whole time. Sometimes when we look back, we get to see the fingerprints. But often when we're in the middle of it, we lose hope. We had hoped. We'd hoped the story would turn out differently. We had hoped things would be easier. We had hoped. Well, the invitation this morning, as our Advent begins in the dark, is to place our hope in the person, not in the circumstances. 
not even in what that person might do to get us out of it, to hope in Jesus, to walk with him through our darkness and questions, to trust that he is indeed the light of the world, to put our hope in him, in who he is, the light in the darkness, the everlasting father, the almighty God, the prince of peace. He is our hope, Emmanuel, God with us. So light a candle. Center your heart on the one called Jesus, for he is our great hope. And know that the darkness will not last forever. There is one who will return and set everything to rights. May the hope of this Advent season burn bright in your hearts as you place your trust and hope in him. Because our hope begins in the dark. Let's pray. Lord, we see darkness all around us, and we confess at times it feels too hard to see the light, that the fear, the worry, the pain, the grief, at times it almost seems too much to bear. But even in that shadow of death, even in the numbing darkness, we know that a light has shined. We know that somewhere in the depths of our souls, you break through all of that darkness with your glorious light. You come to us, Emmanuel, in the dark. Our hope begins in the darkest places. You, you lead us into your wonderful light. And I pray that each person listening to this message this morning would not only place their hope in you, but would sense the incredible strength and comfort that comes when we do that. That they would feel the solid rock under their feet, that the, the sinking would stop, the spinning would cease, that they would see the light. Jesus, we put our hope and our trust in you, for you are the mighty God in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us in this first Sunday in the season of Advent. Remember to check out the website for all the Christmas goings on. We would love for you to join us if you're comfortable in person on Christmas Eve at four o'clock for our silent night by candlelight service. But until we get into all of those festivities and all of the activity that surrounds this season, we pray that this Advent would be a deep and meaningful time for you to, to just put your hope in Jesus. And if you've made a decision to trust Jesus in a, in a new or significant way today, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray with you. I'd love to get a text or an email from you, even right now if you wanted to fill that out, so that we could encourage one another as we put our hope in him. Scott at gracewinnipeg.ca if you want to send me a quick note. I'd love to pray with you. But as we go, we go with this Advent benediction as we wait in the dark. May your day be blessed by moments of quietness, light in your darkness, strength in your weakness, grace in your meekness, joy in your gladness, peace in your stillness. May your day be blessed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace.